Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lavish Hope, a podcast that highlights stories of resilience and overcoming. In this space, we explore what it means to be resilient in today's world, how to overcome challenges and find hope that is generous, abundant, and even extravagant. It's a hope that is deeply rooted in our faith, not some theoretical ideal, but gritty, real, hard-won faith. It connects us with the prophet's powerful, assuring message, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. And our hope is that you'll come away from these episodes feeling encouraged and inspired with perhaps a new tip or tool to help you on your life's journey. So come along with us and embrace lavish hope. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lavish Hope. I'm Liz Testa, your host, and I am so excited to be here with my dear sister seminarian friend. Uh, She's an author. She's a pastor. She's a chaplain. She's a mom, daughter, wife, uh, and a wonderful woman of God, Reverend Donna Olivia Owusu-Ansa. I am so delighted to introduce her to you all and to have her share a little bit about her stories of hope, lavish hope. Uh, resilience and overcoming. Welcome, Reverend Donna. Thank you, Reverend Liz. It is an honor to be with you and your listening audience today and to share with you on hope and overcoming and resilience in a time where we especially need hope. Amen. Amen. So Reverend Donna, why don't you tell our, um, our listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Um, I will start with, I am the wife of Joseph and the mother of Afia and Ajua. Uh, I am a daughter, a sister, a sister friend um, at the core of my being. I think that's who I am. Uh, And then in addition to that, I'm an ordained Baptist um, minister and also a chaplain. Um, And in addition to that, I am am an artist. Uh, I'm an author. I am a runner. Uh, I am a theologian. I am a daughter of God. And I am a Black woman. I'm a Black Amen. woman. Amen. So, um, so as we're thinking about this concept of lavish hope, and as you said, like we're in a season when we need it more than ever, uh, could you just maybe tell us what resilience means to you? Absolutely. Um, I think in, 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 at the core of who I am and with all that I shared, Um, I very closely identify with the resurrection story Um, that uh, Jesus um, died and that he was raised. And for me, that is the epitome of resilience, right? And also not just the epitome of resilience, um, but because we belong to him Mm. and we, um, we, because of that, we, that is not just Christ's story, that is our story. Mm. And so resilience really is that um, capacity to recover from the most difficult situations. It's that strength of character that keeps you getting up and getting up and getting up. And so um, that's what resilience means to me. It's falling down and getting back up again. 
Yes. <laughs> no matter what. I love that. And so, and so how has, how has this, how has this notion of being able to get up and keep going and persevering, how has that been shaped by your past? And maybe also how has it changed or, or been deepened by your experiences? I think the experience that speaks to this most for me is I suffer um, from seasonal depression. I have seasonal depression. And so the late fall and winter months are particularly hard for me. As soon mm -hmm. as they, some people love fall, they love the colors of autumn. It's for me, it signals uh, a change, right? It's, it's for me. And so the shorter days really for me means exhaustion, um, sometimes can bring me to a really kind of low, low place. Um, however, um, spring always comes, right? Um, and so uh, I think because I've had this seasonal depression and when I, I look back, I probably have had it all of my life in second grade, third grade, wow. fifth grade. If you look at my report cards, my grade, I was a, a you know, straight A student, but those Bs and sometimes in high school Cs came in in that third marking period, right? When you wow. look, but spring always comes. Hmm. And so for me, I think because I have this experience and, you know, I have coping um, strategies now, prayer, um, accountability with a therapist uh, and my husband and friends. And so I get through my winters, but I think because I go through this every year, uh, for me, there's always the possibility to get back up again. Right? Yes. So that's what resilience means to me. Um, even, you know, I kind of joke with my friends sometimes, though it's not a joke, I always say to people, feel how you feel. <laughs> God can handle how you feel. If you're in a low place, that's okay. And so for me, I'm always, and I'm a good Baptist preacher. And so I'll say, <laughs> I'll say something like, you know, I'm in the grave for three days, but on the third day, <laughs> I'm getting up. <laughs> right? Now the third day may, you know, may not come for a week, may not come for a month. Third day sometimes comes in a few hours, but on the third day she gets up. Yes. I love that. For me, it's Sheol. I fall down into the pit of Sheol, but somehow <laughs> I get up out of it at some point. <laughs> yes. Um, it does. Yeah. And joy does come in the morning, right? I mean, that is, that is a promise to us. So, so one thing I want to just um, tease out a little bit is you talk about the seasonal depression and I'm so grateful to you because we're right now in this, it, it's, we're here in January. This is exactly the time of year when this is hitting a lot of folks, especially those of us in the Northern hemisphere, those of us that are in, you know, the, the North of North America and, um, and my own, uh, you know, in my own family, we, we have someone who, who struggles with this and that, that idea that like, it's actually a tool in your toolkit, the awareness of it, and then the being able to to name it, and then to have accountability around it, and I'm I'm wondering if you, you know, do you have anything more that you can tell us about it? Because I think it is it's something that so many people suffer from, and I love I love that just by us talking about it, we are we are we are denouncing the stigma around Absolutely. depression, right? Absolutely. And that's part of why I also named it because I think um, in order to talk about resilience, you have to talk about the things that bring you. To that low place whatever that low place is right mm -hmm. you have to be able to name them i think yeah. you can name things in order to be able to overcome them um so it, those are some of the things in my toolkit I'll, also um it didn't happen this year because of covid but i finally realized that somewhere around october beginning of november i need a vacation to somewhere warm 
and sunny. <laughs> yes. yes. I had um, I had my trip uh, booked to Curacao this year. It didn't <laughs> happen. And actually what's very interesting is um, I started to feel it in my body before I even came to the recognition that, oh, this would have been the day that I would have been flying out. Wow. Right? Um, and so I think for anyone who is um, suffering um, or who has depression, right? Um, and I'm very careful with the language I use, who has depression, just like someone would have diabetes or have high cholesterol, right? Um, I say, be mindful of the things that trigger you, but also know that like it, it, if it didn't take you out before, right? You can have the hope. Again, going back to, I, I love lavish hope. Oh, I love it. It's so, <laughs> um, it's so luxurious, right? That if, if you got through before, that you can get through again, right? You can get through again. So for me, it's the accountability, it's naming it, it's telling, you know, telling the people in my life, um, being honest about it. Um, in the summertime, at least for me, getting as much vitamin D as possible in the, you know, I'm out in the sun in preparation for mm -hmm. winter. And then also looking for those glimmers of hope. So even though we're still in the, we just started winter, December 31st was the shortest day of the year. And so even now the days are getting longer. You know, there's this two sides of the same coin and you just named it actually yourself of like, where, where does one find resilience when they don't have it? And then where do you find hope? And, um, I'm wondering if you can just share with us perhaps uh, a little more about that. And even if you have a story that you want to um, to share to help articulate that, I'd love to hear it. And I know our listeners would as well. Absolutely. So for me, um, I named uh, when in my introduction that I'm an artist. Yes. Uh, my um, undergraduate degree is in studio art. Uh, I was an art teacher for um, several years. I taught photography and art history. I have a master's degree in fine arts from Howard University. Um, and so for me, I find um, hope in art, that creative process. Art, of uh, art invites us to imagine. Hmm. And in a time where you may see one thing, art, whether it's, you know, it could be something as simple as a coloring book with my daughters, right? Coloring in a coloring with, book with my daughters or doing a linoleum cut or working on some graphic design. Art invites me to imagine something different than what I see. And mm -hmm. so art is one place where I um, find hope, right? Um, writing also for me for the same reason is one place where I find hope. And then as, a, um, as an African-American woman in the United States, looking at the experiences of black women who have overcome also is a place where I find um, find hope. Um, and in fact, I wrote, I wrote about this in my book, Loves Regardless. Um, and if, if it's okay, I would love to read an entry on hope, which really speaks to um, this finding hope and living in hope um, in a place where, you know, starting at a really low place. That would be fantastic. And um, let me just say for, for our readers, she just mentioned it so briefly, but Reverend Donna has um, recently, what, when did it come out? Just in uh, July 1st. Yeah. So just like within the last year, this beautiful book, A Love and Spirit Offering to Black Women, Loves 
dot, 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 regardless. And it's uh, framed as 40 devotions inspired by womanist creative thought and theology. And I'm reading this off my very own <laughs> um, inscribed copy uh, that, that, uh, that was sent to me. And um, it's really a beautiful, it's a beautiful work of art uh, Donna and for our listeners, it's really, um, especially for black, black women who are listening, I really commend it to you. Um, so just so folks have in their heads, what we're talking about when you're about to read to us from it. So go ahead. What a, what a wonderful, this is like, we've got a reading, a book reading with the author. How fabulous. Here we are. And let me share before I read that this idea for this devotional, God gave me this idea in 2009. (laughs) I had fits and starts with this book. 2009, 2010, I was going to write it, life happened. 2012, I was going to write it, babies are born. You know, all things always came up and it was in, I actually wrote it. Um, I had one entry written prior to March of 2020. And so this was written um, March, April, May of 2020. Um, Because I think timing is everything also, right? Um, and so I just want to also share that uh, with your listeners that, um, but I never gave up hope that it would be written. Like I never gave up on it. So wanted to share that. But beautiful this is the entry on hope uh, from the book Loves Regardless: A Love and Spirit Offering to Black Women. And the book I'll say is um, divided into uh, four sections. There's the agape love, which is a word from the Holy Scripture the love offering, which are my words, uh, questions, is it love, and then love language, which is a one sentence prayer. So Romans 15, 13, the apostle Paul writes, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. One murky Sunday evening, as storm clouds hung heavy in the sky, I lay sobbing on the perfectly stained hardwood floors of my studio apartment, unsure about where my life was headed and whether I had the internal fortitude to handle it. This was during a period in my early 20s when I was struggling with despair, disillusionment, and deep depression. Face on the ground, with once buried memories of abuse playing on a constant loop in my mind like Memorex tapes, I questioned my past and therefore questioned the possibility of any kind of future. I don't know how long I laid there, but I distinctly remember lifting my head from the ground as a voice reverberated in my soul. Get up, daughter. See just ahead. This is not all there is. Just then, hope entered my room lifted my head off the cold floor and again opened my eyes to possibility. We are women of hope created in the image and likeness of the God of hope. Hope is one of the most powerful forces in life. It is more than opaque optimism. Hope is an embedded expectation that despite what is happening in and around me, God will create something new, something more, something better. Hope is enacted when black women lift our heads and see God doing a new thing while the residue of disillusionment, despondency and disenchantment settles to the ground. 
It is clear to me as a black woman, hope is in our DNA. It is lifeblood pumping through our veins, like cells regenerate inside of us. How else can you explain our survival and thriving when racism and patriarchy tried to kill us? Hope kept us as our babies were ripped from our breasts and placed on auction blocks during chattel slavery. Hope kept us when they labeled us Mammy, Jezebel, Sapphire, and Welfare Queen. Hope is keeping us now even as black women continue to be marginalized and doubly oppressed. Sisters, when hopelessness lays its hand upon you and knocks you to the ground, remember that the hope within you is powerful enough to lift your head, open your eyes and allow you to see God doing a new thing in your midst as we pray. May hope lift my head and open my eyes to a new possibility built on the rubble of yesterday. Amen. And amen. It is so powerful. And it's, you know, I'm always so amazed at how the spirit is on the move, you know. And um, you said to me before we started that, you know, this, this devotion on hope really summed up uh, lavish hope in terms of your own experience and your interpretation of it. And um, yeah, all I could say is hallelujah and amen. It certainly does. <laughs> it's amazing. So is there is there anything in this love offering that you want to share a little bit more about with us? It's so rich and so deep. It just There's so many different layers of it, that sort of global perspective for women. The hope is in the DNA of Black women. And I, I think that will resonate. I mean, this is particular to Black women. We honor that. And yet still, we know that in other women who have been historically marginalized, that that can also resonate deeply for them as well. So while I wrote this as a love and spirit offering to Black women, I had Black women in mind, partly because uh, when you go to bookstores, I won't name any, or you know, go online to buy devotional books, um, there are very few that are written uh, with Black women um, or other um, uh, underrepresented groups in mind, right? Mm -hmm. There's um, a particular um, racial and theological leaning of most devotional books in the, on the market. And so I really wrote the book I wanted and needed to read that others, um, I think, um, as I'm experiencing now, have wanted and needed to read. So while it is particularly written with Black women in mind, um, it the the book um, can transcend, right? Can transcend uh, and and really speak to the hearts of women and men. I think of all ethnic um, backgrounds. So just to also claim for us that in this season, we're becoming more and more aware of those limitations that there have been in terms of what people have, what the general population has access to in terms of our authors, our theologians, the, the people who are informing the way that we think and the way that we be and the way that we worship. And so wanting to, you know, when you talk about the agape love, wanting to create space where all voices can find all of our creative 
voices and wise wisdom voices can find a place to be located, not on the fringes or not within their own particular people group, if you will, but then to be part of the mainstream. That's, I mean, that's a vision, that's a foretaste of heaven. That's a vision of, you know, God's reign here on earth. And that's really what I think that's part of what Lavish Hope is all about, is drawing the circle wide and creating space for multiple voices, multiple ways of worshiping and of thinking and of emoting um, to be able to be part of the, the be woven into the fabric of, um, of, of kind of the mainstream, if you will, the dominant culture. It's like, it's enriching the culture by doing that. Absolutely. And I, and I think um, it, it, it um, normalizes our voices, I think, but it also, um, it amplifies our voices, but it, what it also does, it allows us to hear the experience of God mm-hmm. um, from all people. You know, so one of the things I hoped for in this book and is that, you know, I, I draw on womanist theology, which is a theology um, rooted and grounded in the voices of black women, right? Um, but I was very mindful, even in this text, not just to draw on the voices of womanist scholars in the academy, like, you know, Katie Geneva Cannon and Emily Towns, but also to say, my grandmother, Ann Spencer, knew some things about God. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend, Courtney, her Aunt Elsie knew some things about God that um, that can be shared to enrich and enhance all of our spiritual lives. Mm-hmm. They were women with hope, hope that got them out of bed every day. Hope mm-hmm. that when I think about my maternal grandmother, hope that kept her um, working every day for a woman who demeaned her, right? Because she put, needed to put food on the table, right? So, um, so I think it's it, it was important for me also just to lift up those voices uh, as well as sources of doing theology and lifting up my own voice, right? And then inviting, as Lavish Hope does, to lift up your voice, right? And to lift up the voices of the guests on, on this podcast as sources of theological discussion, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, so that's so beautiful. And I could just listen to you talk about that <laughs> forever. I feel like just let's keep the conversation going. But but Reverend Donna, the thing that's so beautiful there too is you're bringing in, you know, we, we have the word of God, right? That's what everything, this is all grounded and rooted on the word, in the word, right? And that is, as Christians, that is that that book is the book, right? And then we've got our theologians. We've got our, you know, the 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 Christian Academy. We've got those um, who are sitting in those wisdom seats. And then we also have our laity. We have our wise ones that come from the community, that come from the lived experience. And so often, there's this divide between the theological or the sort of the theory of theology and the practice or the practical aspect of the, I always say, I'm a practical theologian. <laughs> I want to go be with the people. Um, and so that's what you're, and we know in our global cultures and our cultures of origin, that is honored, right? The the lived experience of the wisdom elders of the village. Those are the ones that you want to listen to. Those are the ones that can tell you what you need to know. And it's practical. 
It's not just a heady ideal or sort of elusive thing because a lot of folk, a lot of people that are on the ground don't have time to sit around and just think about it. They've got to go do it. Right. Um, But you want to be, and you want to do, we want to do Mary and Martha together. So I love the way you're talking about it. You're articulating it in such a beautiful way that invites us to do the both and work of the theory and, and the practice, which is praxis and we sat in we sat in seminary classes together, so we we know bell hooks when we hear her. <laughs> but but for 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 our listeners, just um, I just hope that you all will take with you this um, this concept of that we can get our wisdom, we can get our inspiration, we can hear stories of hope and resilience and overcoming from those who have kind of named authority or who have been given kind of have credentialed authority and then also from those wise ones among us and and they're not always old biologically um we've got people who are young that have experienced you know deep pain or deep challenge and overcome it and who can also inform us uh well absolutely absolutely um my children i have a six-year-old daughter and an eight-year-old daughter uh and and part of writing this was also for them right um, they have not yet, um, thank God, experienced the pain in their lives, but they also are sources for theology, mm-hmm. right? ones, even our young ones. Um, and so uh, I, I even try to bring their voices in. And I think it's, um, it's important uh, for all of us to recognize that um, we... We hear from God, we experience God, we hear from God, and that we have a voice in naming something that God speaks to us and through us. Uh, For not just for ourselves, but when we think about the beloved uh, community, when we think about, you know, the reign of God and we think about the church, right? Um, That our gifts, our voices are not for our own benefit, but but for the benefit of the body. That's just beautiful. You know, I feel like I just want to hear more about that. And um, can you just share a little bit more about that whole aspect of sharing your gifts? Because as you know, I'm just thinking about how you, you know, you, you're, you're talking about your, your kind of first career, if you will, and then you came into ministry and you're a chaplain and also a pastor and then now also an author and doing retreats and, you know, speaking engagements and such. So that's a whole lot of gifts you're sharing, Reverend Donna. <laughs> Maybe you could just, and, and, and again, through the guise of, of, you know, through this lens of hope, resilience, overcoming, maybe you could just share a little bit about that journey and, and how does one, especially, um, you know, uh, we are in this, uh, this first part of the new year of 2021 and we are in, in the church, this is the season of epiphany and just thinking about that, you know, that beckoning us to, to share our gifts right? Just as the wise ones did with the baby Jesus, bringing forth gifts with joy and with wonder, and then being called to go home by a different route, right? So anyway, just, and, and certainly going into ministry, I don't know, you know, I, I'm also an artist. I also came, I had a career in show business before God called me to seminary and into ordained ministry, but it's like, it's a ride, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. It's a ride. Um, and thank God we're not on the ride by ourselves. Amen that we have the uh, presence of the Holy Spirit, that we Mm -hmm. have each other. Um, But yes, it's a ride. And it's a ride with um, what I've found recently as I look back, right? Um, Also, when I think about hope, 
um, part of my hope comes from almost like David um, in Psalm 42, looking back and remembering, right, the deeds of God and the works of God and the presence of God. Um, it's, it's been a ride with detours um, and, um, and, and traffic lights uh, and traffic, um, bumper to bumper traffic sometimes. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but I, and I think, so I'm in a space now, I will share where, you know, I've, I've written this book in this season of pandemic, which, you know, when, when March, um, when we were first sheltered in place, I don't know if you saw online, there were all these memes, like, if you don't come out of this pandemic with a new skill or a hobby or a book or whatever, you've wasted your time. That is completely not true. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. We have no mm -hmm. idea the how the trauma that we're experiencing now is gonna play out later on. If we just wake up in the morning, we should celebrate that. Yep. Uh, but I wrote a book in the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, what also has happened during this time is being away from the institutional church. My church has been worshiping online. We've been doing everything virtually. We've not been in the building for worship since March, 20, March 15th, actually, was the last time we were in the building um, for worship. That being away from the building, the institutional church in that way, has really opened up my understanding a whole lot more of ministry and how to do ministry. And so with that, and thinking back now to answer your question about you know this idea that we are the church, the body, fitly joined together, and that you know, the, the eye meets the ear and the ear is no greater than the foot and the foot, you know, with Christ at the head and that our gifts are for each other, right? Our gifts are for each other. And so when I think about this and I think about the testimonies that I've received from women who have read the book and men, but particularly women who have read the book in this season, that if I had not written this book, if I had not used the gifts that God had given to me, mm. if I had lost hope on the vision God gave to me in 2009, then the people who have picked up this book, read an entry or read through the entire book, and it put a little running in their feet to go on one more day. If I had not done what I was called to do, then they would not have been able to go on and do what God has called them to do. So our gifts, the gifts that God gives to us are not for ourselves, but they're for the greater good. They're for the, the church. They're for the world that we all might grow, that we all might experience hope, that we all might experience joy. And so even the sharing of the, you know, I like to share this stuff that doesn't go on the resume or the stuff that um, mm -hmm. isn't always on the newsfeed because those are the stories where we recognize the abounding power of hope. If we only see the ups, we don't know um, the downs that were part of the story. But I think in order for us to share our gifts, we've got to talk about those things. I know that was kind of a long answer. What was also in the back of my mind, just to tell you, is that I didn't intend to go into chaplaincy. Chaplaincy is a detour, right? That's one of those God detours. Um, I was uh, worked as an assistant um, pastor for two years after seminary. Loved the work I was doing. Um, preaching, teaching. Uh, 
I was doing a lot of work with um, bereavement support. We had a lot of death in the congregation. I served for the first year. I was with the people. I loved it. Uh, and then I had my first daughter and I decided, you know, I'm going to be a stay at home mom for a little while. And when I, when I realized that's not my call, that's some, the call of some that wasn't my call. But when I was ready to re-enter ministry, no one was calling me back, Liz. No one, Reverend Liz, I'm sorry. No one was calling me back, no one. Um, no one was answering my emails. No one was responding to my resume. And in a moment of desperation, I applied to a clinical pastoral education program. Mm. And I won't tell the whole long story, but part of the story was me going back and forth with God, like, God, I, I, I don't really want to do this. I don't think I'm called to this, none of this. And I heard God say so clearly to me, do CPE and trust me with the rest. And I did one unit and two units and now and ended up doing four units. I've been working as a hospice chaplain for five years, but doing that work has made me um, a more compassionate listener and more present presence. And so, um, and has um, awakened within me gifts that others needed. Again, not about me, but about others. There's something there that's very beautiful that you're articulating for us about the connection uh, with uh, between gifts and service. Yes. And I think that that is very hopeful because everybody's got gifts to share. Absolutely. And when you know that, you know, God is calling you to use them, not for your own self, for your own glory, but for God's glory and for the upbuilding of God's people, that is like, that's talk about lavish hope because I mean, everybody has gifts that God has, you know, it's not something that we created ourselves, right? This is something that God has planted in each of us. So it's really beautiful um, just to hear you expound a little bit more on that. So I'm wondering how you are cultivating hope today. I mean, part of it is just waking up in a world that would rather I die. <laughs> cultivating hope by speaking in a world that would rather I be silent. Hmm. By standing tall in some places where they'd rather I sit down. By um, writing when, you know, folks would rather your story not be told. By resting, this is a big one. I'm cultivating hope by resting when certain institutions and individuals would want me to work myself to death. And so part of the way I cultivate hope is really bucking against the status quo and what's expected of me, I think, as a Black woman. That's one way that I'm cultivating hope. Mm -hmm. Another way is just by looking at my children. Like, you know, sometimes when they're asleep and I, they, they take a long time to go to bed and, you know, there are times when <laughs> I'm like, go to bed already so I can go to sleep. <laughs> Right. But there are times when I just go in their room at night and look at them. And that gives me hope. Mm -hmm. So I cultivate hope in that way. I cultivate hope by creating, by teaching. I, I, I think I cultivate hope by continuing to do the things that I know God has called me to do. It's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And I, I hope, dear listeners, that you are really taking in what Reverend Donna has been sharing because it really is a testimony to um, to how much each of us uh, 
each of us has what it takes. We have, we have within us um, amazing things that, that are needed in our world. And part of the overcoming is, you know, it's like systems, right? Systems of oppression that we need to overcome. And then we also have our own internalized oppression or our own internalized, there's shame, there's guilt, there's all those sorts of things that that we need to overcome. Um, and, you know, stigmas we need to break through, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why um, it's so important. And I love that you talk about rest as a place for cultivating hope. Um, I think it, it plays to me, it plays back a little bit to when you were referencing that you need to have the vacation in a warm place <laughs> when winter comes knocking here in, in, uh, in the, you know, greater New York city area where we both uh, dwell. Um, but that, that those practices of rest and of, of self-care mm-hmm. are really important. And do you have, um, you've already shared several, but do you have a favorite verse or quote? I mean, you've got a whole book full of them, but is there a favorite uh, verse or quote that inspires you to embrace hope and be resilient? Uh, yeah, so I, I would probably say um, it's Second Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. I won't go into the whole thing, but it's, you know, um, cast down, but not uh, despaired, um, you know, crushed, but not destroyed. There's something about that, but not in there that really for me is the mantra of resilience, right? <laughs> um, so it, it's that verse um, certainly um, inspires me to embrace hope uh, and just to get back up. Mm-hmm. And again, the resurrection of Christ. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, Reverend Donna, thank you so much for your time here today. Now, you've already talked to us a little bit about your book, but I do have to ask you before we sign off, is there like, how can people get the book? How can they find out more about you? Is there a way for them to hear from like, are you out? Are you, I'm assuming it's got to be virtual right now, but are you doing speaking engagements? Tell us a little bit about um, what's next for you and how our listeners can, uh, can follow you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. So uh, you can um, connect with me on my website. It's www.reverend, all spelled out, DonnaO.com. So it's ReverendDonnaO.com. There you can find out about me. You can engage with the book. I've got some videos on there. Um, And also you can purchase the book there. If you purchase the book from my website, I will sign it and ship it directly to you. Uh, In addition to Loves Regardless, I also have a companion journal, Love Notes, uh, for those who are writers and like to journal. um, And really, I say for God to speak words of love to and through the reader of Loves Regardless. Uh, And then I also have mugs and um, sweatshirts as well. (laughs) Gotta have your merch. (laughs) Um, But your uh, listeners can also connect with me on Instagram. I'm Reverend R-E-V underscore Donna, underscore O, Rev Donna O on Instagram. On Twitter also, Rev underscore Donna, underscore O. And then on Facebook as uh, Donna Olivia Owusu Ansa. Um, And I would love to connect with listeners um, and to, you know, share more about um, the book and also just um, encourage each other and hope as you are doing that we can live in this lavish hope. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Reverend Donna. And what I'm hopeful about is that we're going to be able to um, have you come and speak uh, to our women at some point this coming spring. And uh, that most likely will have to be virtual. But I've been talking with our 
coordinator of the African-American Black Council. Uh, we sent them your book, all of our ordained women clergy, uh, African-American clergy sisters, we sent them all a copy of your book. And we would love nothing more than to have you come and sit with both our clergy and our laity uh, women from that body to be able to just sit with you and um, commune and hear a little bit more about what God is uh, stirring up through your book uh, and your words of life and wisdom and hope that you share there. So looking forward to that. Thank you so much. I look forward to it as well. So thank you again, Reverend Donna, for being with us. God bless you and your beautiful family and all of the ministry that you engage in. You are a blessing to this world. Thank you for using your gifts in such lavishly hopeful and resilient ways. Thank you. 